This is an EM Pulse Heartbeat with your host, Julia Magana. Today we're going to talk super briefly about cognitive biases. If you're in medicine, you've probably heard about cognitive biases. A cognitive bias is a mistake in reasoning, evaluating, remembering, or any other cognitive process that occurs subconsciously as a result of holding on to one's own preferences and beliefs regardless of contrary information. If you're on Twitter and in emergency medicine, you probably saw the quasi-viral conversation about cognitive biases and its limitations. And granted, the concept of cognitive biases was developed outside of medicine and then applied subsequently to medicine. And it seems like most of the time when we identify these biases, it's after the fact, like when something has gone wrong, a chart review, or afterwards talking with a colleague. So how do we apply the concept of cognitive biases just in time? Dr. Tony Lasky joins us to talk a little bit about cognitive biases and anchoring in specific. At the end, I'll come back with a few ideas that I have as well about just-in-time application. So this is Julia. I'm here at the Child Abuse and Maltreatment Conference in San Diego. And I'm here with Tony Lasky. Tony is a professor of pediatrics and the division chief. She is also the medical director of Safe and Healthy Families at the University of Utah. And I just sat in on a really interesting talk when she was talking about implicit bias and how it affects us in healthcare. Thanks so much for taking a moment to talk with me, Tony. I really appreciate it. Sure. So one of the biases that you were talking about is anchoring bias. What exactly is anchoring bias? I like to think of anchoring bias as literally a ball and chain. So when you have something in your head that you're working on, so for example, a differential diagnosis, there's something that's at the top of your list. It's important that we rank order our list, but we want to be careful that it doesn't become literally an anchor that holds us down and prevent us from thinking about, well, what else can it be? So if you think about an anchor, it has a chain that attaches you to something the length of that chain is sort of the range of things that you can think of. So when there's something that's maybe just outside of that range, you could miss it if you're holding on to your anchor too firmly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's a really good analogy. Can you tell a story or an example of when anchoring bias affected patient care? Yeah, I have a great one. I had a um, nine-month-old that was life-flighted to us from a different hospital in a um, more rural area, and she needed tertiary care at a pediatric facility. So she had a history of a fever that was recurrent, and they had sought care several times at the local hospital where she had a fever, and at first they were like, oh, it's probably a virus, so they gave her some um, Tylenol and Motrin. She did better in the ED, so they sent her home. She came back a couple days later, and she had a rash and still had the fever. So they were like, oh, see, look, it's viral. It's okay. And so they said, you're fine. Let's do more watchful waiting, sent her home. Then she started getting really, really irritable, and they were getting concerned that something else more serious was going on, and they couldn't figure it out. And one of the docs said, you know, this sounds like a lot like Kawasaki's disease. So they life-flighted her to us specifically with the diagnosis Kawasaki disease. So she was sent to us, put on the team, and being undergoing evaluation for Kawasaki. Well, everything came back as not Kawasaki. And after she was in our hospital for three days with no documented fever throughout this entire time, even though the history was recurrent fever, and she didn't have any markers of Kawasaki disease, they said, we need to figure out what's going on. At which point, the teams had switched over because it was the beginning of the month. So a new team came on, and the chief resident, or the senior resident on the service, 
said, let's start all over. Tell me the story from the very beginning. And the mom said, well, it started out with a fever. And then she got a rash. And then the fever stopped, but she got really, really irritable. And the doctor said, wait, wait, the fever stopped? And she said, yeah, she hasn't had a fever for a couple weeks at this point. But, you know, I've noticed her leg has been swollen, and I was wondering about that. And the resident did an exam, and the baby was very unhappy with palpation of her femur, at which point the resident said, I think we need an X-ray of this. She ended up having a comminuted spiral fracture of her femur that was displaced at this point because it had been manipulated so much over the course of time. And the problem was was that she legitimately had a viral illness to start with. The fever and the rash very clearly were viral, but it also made her really irritable. And somebody broke her because she was irritable. And when she was broken, then she got really irritable, but the virus went away. So when she came with a diagnosis of Kawasaki, people started from that as the working diagnosis and said, well, she was sent to us for Kawasaki, so we're going to work her up for Kawasaki. And nobody stepped back and said, tell me everything from the very beginning. How did we get where we are? And they completely missed that she had a fracture, which was her reason for irritability. Wow, that's a really interesting story. I feel like I see that a lot. You know, I have a nurse bring a patient back and they're like, oh, I'm putting a kid with gastroenteritis back in room four. And then the resident goes and sees that patient and they're like, oh, I just saw a kid with gastroenteritis in room four. And then I walk in the room with vomiting without diarrhea and I'm like, oh, crud, did I just miss something there because I've heard gastroenteritis, gastroenteritis, gastroenteritis. To me, that's what I think of as anchoring bias in the emergency department too. Yeah, I think our verbal, some of our verbal verbal shortcuts, so gastroenteritis, we don't usually say gastritis in a pediatric emergency department. And the problem is, is that you literally are thinking, oh, vomiting diarrhea. Well, it's something totally different if you don't have the diarrhea part of it. So we have to think about the words we give a case because that becomes the anchor from which we work. Yeah, totally makes sense. I find myself struggling with that all the time. What are some other strategies that we can use to overcome anchoring bias in the emergency department? So if you're the provider and you're sharing information with another specialty, it's important to think about how we package that information. So sometimes we verbal shortcut and we assign um, categories or diagnoses that we think are the working diagnosis. And we have to do that in order to be efficient with our time and our communication. But the flip of that is is that when you narrow the differential diagnosis um, artificially based on what you have, you also narrow their diagnostic window because they're going to be starting from that point. So I have to think about, am I giving you an anchor that's got some foundation in fact, or am I artificially narrowing a window? The other thing I have to think about is, is are there social biases that I'm bringing to this? So if this is a crazy family and we all deal with crazy families at certain times, we have to understand that sometimes that will influence our interpretation of completely legitimate information. So if I have a family that's super difficult because it's a really assertive mom, like this is a pushy mom, it could be she's pushy or it could be that she's had an experience before where she wasn't heard. And how will we interpret what she's saying? Will we take everything with a grain of salt because she's pushy? Or will we say, gosh, she's had a bad experience before and therefore we need to listen very carefully so that she feels heard? So we have to think about what are the social characteristics that we're tagging and passing on to somebody else. Now, if you're the receiver of information, the, the flip of that is true. When you hear things, try to filter it and say, okay, you said it's gastroenteritis. So how long have they been vomiting and having diarrhea? Try to parse through where they got the information that they got or how they categorized something. And we can't do this to the nth degree on every single case, or you're never going to get through your caseload in the night. But you do have to take the time to say, how did you get where you are so that I know where I'm going? 
Yeah, I like that. A lot of it's going back to the patient, going back to the actual source, and then also looking at ourselves and saying, how are my glasses, how is my view mm-hmm. clouding this picture? That's too. right. Yeah. Anything else you think we should know? I think one of the things that I, I really want people to remember about cognitive biases and anchoring in particular is remember how we all fall prey to these. And if you can't think of it, an example in your professional life, because you think you're doing a really great job, try to think of it in your personal life. And I always laugh about my taste in partners when I was in college and I anchored on things that like, oh, I, I, this is a fixer upper. I got this one. And you, you really believe that you see something in somebody because you've anchored on something and you come to find out that's not the case. That's the whole first impression bias. So just if you think that you're doing great in your job, try to think of a personal example because we need to be humble in our ability to think in order to think better. Is there any other online resources or any articles or books that you suggest providers read? Oh, I love How Doctors Think by Gerald Groupman. He's a hematologist oncologist in the Boston area, and he's got some really great stuff that helps us understand how as doctors we make mistakes. But Pat Crosscarry is an emergency medicine physician, and he has some of the best articles because he's really done a lot of deep dives on root cause analyses of errors in hospitals, particularly in emergency department settings. I think everybody should read Pat Crosscarry's stuff. Thank you again. I really appreciate your time. I really enjoyed speaking with Tony Lasky about cognitive biases. You know, in our job, we have a lot of pressures, right? We've got pressures from administration. We've got pressures from our colleagues. We've got pressures from patients, from patients' parents, from ourselves. We have all of these pressures to see patients quickly, to see patients safely, to see patients well. And now we also have this pressure that we have to look with inside of ourselves into our own subconscious in the middle of a busy shift. How am I supposed to do that? I I don't know. I'm not sure that I have all the answers. I have heard people say we need to slow down. We need to be more methodical. And I think there's a place for that. But I'm not sure that we need to slow down with each case, but that we need to slow down when we should. I always say pediatric emergency medicine is about pattern recognition. We can move efficiently through the vast majority of our patients in pediatrics um, because we have common things being common. But we also have to take a good history. We have to do a good physical, spend that time to find out when that patient falls outside of that pattern, when they fall outside of the bell curve. Maybe it's vital signs, length of time of illness, response to treatment, whatever, That's saying this falls outside of the pattern that I would expect. That's when we need to slow down and look around. In this story, the providers ran with the diagnosis of Kawasaki that they were given by the outside ED. But if taking just a moment to confirm the history showed that the child didn't have the key piece of diagnosis, the fever, they had to slow down and look around. And I think that's a lot of what we need to do every day in the emergency department. When does it fall outside of the pattern recognition? That's when I slow down. I also really liked what Dr. Lasky said about being humble in our approach. In the show notes, we have links to the Pat Cross Carey's most recent article, the book How Doctors Think that she referenced, and the thread on Twitter that we mentioned at the beginning. I encourage you to look at all of this and look at your own approach. I know I will be. 